when I need help. But, uh, man, I really appreciate Tracy. And I just want to show you, we're a community. We're a body of believers. Are we perfect? No. God knew that. We're supposed to be an example to the world of how imperfect people live together in a community and help each other out and do this community thing. Okay? I hate it that our families are such blown up today. I hate it. Over 50% of families blow up. There's not that family stability now. Churches, that's next on the devil's list. Okay? Of breaking up the community in our churches. And the way he does it is in our topic today. It's anger. Anger is my topic. But I want you to know, I'm standing close to this floor because I've been studying this thing for a week. I want to let you know how God led me to this passage of Scripture. This is our youth video we showed you Sunday morning. And uh, God kind of laid it on my heart. We're studying Jonah. Man, how many of you all ever been there like Jonah? Man, God, just tell me what you want me to do, and I'm going to go tackle the biggest mountain because I know you told me what you want me to do. Amen? You been there? And you go right out of the shuffle. He said, go to Nineveh. God, that's not something I want to do for you. You know? That's not what I was after. And he goes the opposite way. And God lovingly calls him back, provides a great big fish, dumps him out on the beach. He goes around Nineveh, not his whole heart in the message, Repent. I wish my message was that short today, but it's not, okay? Repent. And these people took him seriously. They actually repented. And revival broke out. Praise God, the community had revival because of one man. But his heart really wasn't in it. He went up and sat on a hill and watched. His heart hard. Because, man, God, send down the lightning right now. I want to see it blow up. I want to see you have your justice. I want to see you do away with these evil people. He didn't realize it. He was an evil person. He's the one that had God's forgiveness and a second chance. We're all in this together. I'm going to have my son come up here and read uh, scripture. Ephesians 4, 17 through 32. And uh, Trent, if you want to stand up here and hold this mic, I'm going to run back to the back and get my... So this I say in a firm to get... So this I say, and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as Gentiles also walk, in the in the futility of their mind, being darkened with their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the, for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. 
But you did not learn Christ in this way, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your, to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God, and has been created in righteousness and holiness of truth. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Be angry, and yet do, be angry, and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not give the devil an opportunity. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with the one who has need. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give you grace to those who hear. Do not, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, um, along with all malice. Be kind to one another and tenderhearted. Forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, man. I just feel like we need to. Tell my Father, man, your servant stands before you as one that's not obtained the holiness and the obedience that I need to obtain sometimes in dealing with this subject matter. Help my fellow brothers and sisters out here to see my heart. Help them to see your word, my Father, as a challenge to live this life that you called us to live. And dear my Father, help us to see the example that we need to be in both voice and in action. I just pray, dear my Father, that you would knit us together in a special way this morning. As we laugh at these funny things, as we laugh at ourselves. And dear my Father, I just pray that you'd help me communicate your word of truth clearly. And dear my Father, I just pray that it might penetrate the hearts that needs to penetrate and help us to, uh, man, be more about you and more obedient to your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. So as you see in the scripture, in Ephesians 17 through 19, he says, put off your old self. Put that away. Don't do things like you used to do when you were a Gentile. That means just somebody that's not a Jew. That means somebody that wasn't saved, okay? 
And Paul's giving these instructions to this new church in Ephesus saying, hey, here's how you need to act. Here's how you need to treat one another. Here's how the world's going to know that you are my disciples. You are my children if you act this way. Parents, you've all been here. You're going over somebody's house. You're riding in the car. You're telling the kids, hey, we're going to go eat supper over these people's houses. Don't want you to eat supper like you normally do at our house. All right? They put it on your plate, you're eating it. All right? Don't tell them the food's terrible. All right? Just don't tell them. All right? Just eat it. Don't make a scene. Do it. Hands? Yeah. <laughs> we don't like to admit that, but we do, don't we? All right. So we've all been there. We've all had that talk. Church, I'm giving you that kind of talk today. The world's looking at us. The world's wanting to see an example of Jesus Christ in his church. And that's the reason Paul does such a great job in this letter here of explaining just what they need to do to be God's church in this day and age that we live in. Is it still pertinent today? You better believe it. Hey, this world is getting crazy. Alright? This world is past getting crazy. I can't believe the way we're able to communicate. you think that would help us out. But I think that hurts us even more. Because more and more stuff is said loosely. Alright? James. Get this. James 1.19. It says, Be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Man. With this day and age of the texting, the Facebook pages, the tweeting, all that stuff going on, is it easy to lose your anger? Oh, yeah. Man, there's so much stuff. Is it all true? No. But yet we get tied up in it. We get messed up in it because we're a part of this world we live in. But he says, this shouldn't be, man. This shouldn't happen. And I'm going to give you a few principles. Before I do that, I want you to look at a few scriptures I found on anger. And uh, this is one of these studies I did all week. And I thank my guys, uh, my brotherhood, that uh, helped me study. And you know who you are, and I appreciate that. And anger is one of those subject matters I said, man, God gave me a tough passage of Scripture. I don't know why he did, but he did. And I want to be faithful to follow through the best way I can to present his truth to you, the church, so you can understand exactly how important this is for us to get right. Okay? Anger. Do not be eager in your heart to be angry. For anger resides in the bosom of fools. And that's found in Ecclesiastes 7, 9. The bosom of fools. Proverbs is a good book. Proverbs says 22, 24, 25. Do not associate with a man given to anger. Or go with him a hot-tempered man. Or you will learn his ways and find a snare for yourself. Wow. Wow. This is all in Proverbs here, guys. Proverbs 16.32. He who is slow to anger is better than a, the mighty king who rules over. 
the land. His spirit, then, he captures a city. He captures a city. Here's a, Proverbs 15.1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Parents, be aware of that. A quick-tempered man acts foolishly, and a man of evil devices is hated. Proverbs 14.17. Everyone gets angry. Let me give you an example of anger gone, a little berserk. This is uh, 1893. I wasn't around then, but this thing's still around. Okay? Listen to this. This is uh, found in uh, one of our daily devotion books, uh, Daily Bread. Uh, Took place in 1894. Baltimore Orioles came to the Boston to play a routine game of baseball. Routine game, guys. But what happened that day was anything but routine. The Orioles' John McGraw got into a fight with the Boston's third baseman. I don't even know his name. It doesn't even say. Within minutes, all the players of both teams joined the brawl. The warfare quickly spread to the grandstands. And among the fans, conflict. And there they set fire to the stadium. They lost the stadium that day. I was going, wow, is that really true? Yeah, that's really true. They lost that plus 107 buildings there in the city. Over a baseball game. Come on, folks. That's in 1894. Things fly out of hand a lot worse than that today, don't they? Hey, we got kids that bring guns to school. The rage is just unbelievable. To save a life, you saw that suicide attempt there, a kid suffering. But it was all over getting mad, getting angry, bottling up and let it go so long and never letting it out. And he, he took his life. Suicide occurred. Let me give you a little more example here in our book. There's several things we need to put off. But my sermon is entitled, Don't Put the Things Off You Need to Put On. Don't put the things off you need to put on. Okay? It's just like you need to get dressed up. And I was thinking about this illustration. Lo and behold... I was born in the Southern Baptist Church. My mom and dad are right back here. And, uh, man, they had uh, two young sons. And guess what? I always got dressed up on Sunday to go to church. The Sunday best, they called it. Even had these funny shoes I had to wear, you know what I mean? But I look sharp, man. And I go to church. But then after Sunday was over, I got to go back to my regular clothes. Hey. How many times do we play church on Sunday morning? We say, hey, I can act like Jesus on Sunday. But on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I don't have my church clothes on. I don't have to act like Jesus on those days. Because I'm out in the world, baby. i got to make the world. i got to look like the world. i got to do stuff. Hey. Is God's purpose not bigger than the purpose we're called to walk in the world? It is. Those are our mission fields, guys. Missionaries, when they go to other countries, guess what? 
you don't get to do anything you want to. You're quick to learn culture. You're quick to learn what you need to put on, how you need to act. Stuff might get blown out of proportion if you act a different way. You don't want to create any anger for anybody. Let me tell you, I've been on the mission field. It's a tough situation. But we study the culture. We study the things that we go because we want to do our best to present Jesus to lost people. But yet when we get back to our home church, our home base, do we take that coat off and go, man, I can act like the world. I can't tell you how many basketball games I love having this gym here. Because, man, you can't believe the lost people that come through this gym. But you know what? We start with a word of prayer. We start with, hey, this is where we worship Jesus. We're out here to worship Jesus on a basketball court, folks. We're out here to worship Jesus by shooting this shot, by dribbling this ball. And we're going to act a certain way in this church. And hopefully you act that way when you go out somewhere else. But this is a constant reminder of the place we're in. The place that I need to be exemplifying Jesus Christ. You get me? Amen. All right. Let's get back to Scripture here. So Paul's saying, hey, put off your old self. Put on this new self. He says, that is the reason that therefore is there. He says, lay aside falsehood. Speak with each other uh, and with your neighbor, for the members are one. All right? What are we supposed to put away? Lying. Put on the truth. How many problems are caused by lying? (laughs) As a parent, I try to teach my kids, hey, I know my wife's on board. Her mom did a good job of teaching her. Always speak the truth no matter how much it's going to cost you. Alright? But what's our tendency, folks? Do we get along with what the world wants us to get along with? I've been guilty. That's the reason I'm preaching this sermon. I've been guilty. Is that the way God called me to be? No, he says, I am the way, the truth, the life. I need to be truthful. I need to be different. I need to do everything I can to show my employer that I'm truthful. Even that means tell him what he didn't want to hear. Okay? I'm truthful. I thought about how this affects the community of the church. Guys, we just did it a little while ago. We shook hands. Some of you guys said, how are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. 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 <laughs> you see, we don't even think about it anymore. You know? When you ask somebody that, that's supposed to help draw you in closer to that person. They get to share their life. You get to share some of your life with them. But we're such caught up in this world that we live in that we just say, hey, fine. Don't worry about it. You can't help me. I'm fine. Are we really fine? Are we? We all got something we need prayed for. We all got needs, don't we? We all got things we're worried about this week, right? It's not just me, right? Yeah. That's a common example right there. Okay. Then he says, be angry, and yet 
Do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Oh, put that up there. Anger is a strong feeling of intense displeasure, hostility, indignation as a result of a real or imagined threat, insult, frustration, or injustice towards yourself or others important to you. That's what anger is. It took me a while to come up with that. Did I hit it? Yeah. Did we all got it? Huh? Yes. Just by you nodding your head, you're taking in this sermon just a little bit today. Acknowledging you have a problem is the first step in getting help. Do we got a problem? Yes. Let me tell you, anger can tear a family apart. Anger can tear a church apart. Did God intend anger to be there? I watch it how you answer this question. I did some research. Did God intend anger to be there? Yes, we're made in his image. You know, most of the anger in this Bible is said that God got angry. And some injustice. And things done to precious things that are important to him. He got mad. He got angry. Who's the first person to get angered? Watch it how you answer this. Who's the first person? I heard somebody say Cain. Is Cain the first person? He killed his brother. Wrong. Adam. He said, this woman you gave me made me sin. He got mad. See that Cersei little clip there? That happened way back when, right? But God's idea was putting man and woman together, right? In harmony. To teach us. Anger. We all get angry. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. What's he implying there? There is a righteous anger. How many times did Jesus get angry? We know he didn't sin. He cleaned the temple. Man, us guys all found that out. He cleaned the temple. He did a good job. He uplifted tables. He kicked the money changers out of the temple. He didn't say, hey, would you please move out of the temple? This is my temple. This is going to be a house of prayer. No, he said, hey, get that table out of your pain. He knocked something over. Money was going everywhere. He says, hey, my father's house is not going to be a den of robbers, but a house of prayer. Okay? When he did that, that was that indignant anger. It's done for a reason. These people were keeping poor people from coming to Jesus. Keeping poor people out of the temple. They had their own special money. They would give an exchange rate. But some of the poor people couldn't buy these little animals to give on the sacrifice. He says, man, it's not about your money. It's about the attitude of your heart. That's what it's about. It's kind of neat, isn't it? Don't let the sun go down in your anger. If you want good marriage advice, that's good right there. What happens if you go to bed angry? Does it magically disappear as much as I like for that to happen? Does it magically disappear? Does it magically disappear if I don't recognize it? No. Guys, it sits in there and simmers like a crock pot. 
like a volcano. It might not come out today or tomorrow. I bet you this. It's going to come out. You might not want to be around when this thing erupts. Okay? It might be worse than Japan, all right? But if I deal with it right away and just take the shotgun blast that is coming, it's much easier to deal with. My dad and mom were back there. I use this as an example. Is it easier for me to suffer a consequence if it lasts a long time? I would opt for a quick punishment. And I had a choice one time. Would you like to have a whipping or would you like to be grounded? Hmm. Let's think about this. Get it over quick. It'll last a a man, a couple of weeks, man. I just... Let's get it over quick. There's something I want to do, all right? I learned my lesson quick. Let's have that with me. That's where anger should be. Don't let it sit there and go and go and go and go and brew and brew and brew. Get it over with quickly. Be done with it. Get rid of it. There are those things in life that are hard to get over. Let's take divorce. There's the hardening of hearts in divorce. There's that stuff that doesn't need to happen. And the only way you get rid of it, we read in God's word here, is, man, we do away with, uh, oh, first part, do not give the devil a foothold or an opportunity. Here's where I get in that. He likes to tear us apart. The body of believers, he wants to tear us apart. Okay? We as a body of believers don't need to be tore apart. We don't need to let him have a foothold. Okay? If we get angered, we need to deal with it right away. Because the only thing good about letting it stew that long is he gets a foothold. You know all those things about today I was talking about? You go and tell everybody. Yeah, that's the way I'll deal with it. I'll go tell so-and-so. I'll go tell so-and-so. I'll go tell this person. I'll go tell that person. And man, I got a lot more people I told than what you told. Does that make me right? Majority says that's what happens. Hey, did you realize what you did? You got tons of people in the community involved in a little tiff. Is that helpful? I usually. Because you're alienating the other person. Deal with it quickly. Here we go. Ah, oh, man. Here it is. He who steals must steal no longer, but he rather uh, labor, performing which he hands or is good, so that he will have something to share with one who has need. Let no unwholesome talk or word proceed from your mouth, but only such words that are good and edifying according to the needs of the moment, so that it will be a grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit, for by whom you are sealed to the day of redemption. Wow. The guys helped me out with this, and I like to say I was smart, but I'm not really all that smart sometimes when it comes to Scripture. Why does God put that thing in there about stealing? Is stealing wrong? Yeah. 
Everybody knows that. Okay? He's trying to say, hey, if you want to have your self-worth, if you want to feel good about yourself, you're able to give, right? You don't steal. If you get caught stealing, what happens? Man, you feel embarrassed. But uh, everybody needs to work and have something to give. And that makes you feel like you have done something. Everybody's tendency that works at something, they want to give. I'm amazed these youth, when we go to youth things like we just went to, Dare to Share, they had the youth give an offering yesterday to help kids go to Dare to Share. I want to brag on my son there a little bit because, man, I wasn't sitting by him, but I know the offering plate was passed, and I got to take all the offering and put it in the barrel. But I had a big stack of money. I said, son, how much money did you give? The boy only had $7, and he gave all $7. Amen. There's something about that. That was his money. He could have spent it any way he wanted. Believe me, the boy knows how to spend money, you know? But I was proud that he put it in the offering plate. He's got some self-worth to him. Same thing with us. We don't use bad language. We put off all this talking. That's not good. I give an example of this basketball court. This thing's the greatest thing we ever put in here. Thank God for the vision they had for putting that other one in here first. Because, hey, you don't realize that doors fill... But this thing is a great way of bringing the world into us. About saying, hey, how do you act like a Christian out on the basketball court? How do your words when you miss a shot don't resemble the words' words when you miss a shot? What happens when you get all mad and angry because you lost a game? This thing's the neatest teaching tool we ever put in our church. Because it brings real life to meet a real Jesus. Do we always succeed? No, not always. But I thank God it's in here. I thank God for the tool that we have to do that. Because more times than not, when real life happens, is we're in real situations of anger, real situations of how to act, what to say, what to do, give benefit. And if they can see somebody doing the right thing, encourage them to do the right thing, that's what needs to happen. Right? Get that back to the household. <laughs> Mom and Dad, you ever fight? Don't ask my kids, okay? They know. Am I proud of it? No, I'm not. But it's part of who we are as married people, as a partner. We fight. But then again, there is that makeup time. Amen? I say, hey, it's not really important that wasn't. You're what's important to me, hon. You're what's most important. And I give, say I'm sorry. And that to me is more godly than anything else we do in our home. And our kids need to see us fight. And they also need to see the makeup. In the church family. That's the way a church family needs to operate. 
I've been a part of some bad business meetings. <laughs> Man, Lord, forgive them. Hey, but they need to see us make up. All right? That's what real life's all about. That's when the rubber meets the road. Amen? Is it tough this morning? It is, but it's truthful, isn't it? It's truthful. Unforgiveness, Ronnie, hit that. Unforgiveness is deliberate, willful refusal to give up one's resentment and a right to get even based on the wrongful thoughts that someone needs to pay. Willful. So there, there is that thing in there. Did I hit this one dead on too, guys? <laughs> I think so. I'm thinking, man, that somebody needs to pay really gets to me, man. Sometimes I just can't wait for them to pay, you know what I mean? But sometimes I need to just let that go. Does it matter? No, it doesn't really matter in the long run. Studying the Scripture... There's a lot of times there's hardness in the family because it's what somebody has done way back when. And sometimes they don't even remember what somebody did to make them so mad. But yeah, I'm a part of that family, so I need to back them up. Surrender! Red or white flag, surrender! Give it to Jesus! Let's get over it. Let's go live life. Let's not let this thing steal our joy, our happiness. Right? There's a story told in Matthew. I love this story. It's a good one. Peter goes, hey, Jesus, I'm all about forgiving, man. Get this. I'm going to forgive him seven times. Seven times. I'll forgive you. Jesus says, that ain't what I'm asking for. Seven's good, but I want you to give seven times 70. There should be no end to what you need to forgive. Oh, man. And then he goes on and tells a parable. A parable is a truth. Put in story form. Sometimes I get these stories a lot better than I do just hearing the truth. Listen to this. He said there was a king... They had a servant that had a huge debt. Huge debt. If this guy worked his whole life, he wouldn't be able to repay it. So the king knew that. The king says, hey, I'll forgive you. Because this guy is just begging to be forgiven. He says, I'll forgive you. And that guy just turned and walked out. Steve, you owe me a hundred dollars. Let's have it now. Stand up. Let's go. Stand up, boy. Let's go. hundred bucks right now. You got it? No way. You ain't got a hundred dollars? Well, your fault here, buddy. Guess what? You're going to jail today. So you can pay that fine off, okay? Right. Is that fair? No, it's not fair. Thanks, Steve. All right. I wish it was that easy to get $100 out of Steve, but it's not, okay? It's the reason we're doing the fundraiser, all right? No, really, seriously. 
That's what the guy in the story did. He went and got some other guy that owed him 100 bucks and said, hey, you're going to pay. You're going to pay now. Word got back to the king. He goes, you're kidding me. This guy, I forgave a huge amount of debt too, and he is coming up and bullying this boy, saying, you owe me $100? 100 denarii? You're kidding me. Bring that boy back in here. All right? And so he brought that boy back in there. He says, hey, you're going to be put in jail until you can pay that fine off. Guys, bringing it down home. The last part of that scripture talks about forgiveness. There's a couple things. Ronnie, hit those three words there, I think. Three words that hit forgiveness sometimes. Except, but, when. I ain't going to uh, forgive you. Except for that little thing you did the other day. But the other stuff, no, I ain't going to forgive you for. I'll forgive you, but you've got to do this for me. I'll forgive you when you apologize publicly. You get how these words work? Are they conditional? Yeah. You know, we are forgiven by Jesus the day we prayed to have him come into our heart. He forgave a bootload of sin. Not just the sin we committed then. The sin we committed way back when, the sin we commit today, and the sin I'm going to commit in the future. He forgave it all, folks. Conditionally? Unconditionally. Therefore, I have to give like that. I have to forgive like that. If I want to be forgiven like that, I need to forgive like that. You see where the rubber's hitting the road? I can do this forgiving thing, but it kind of hurts when I'm supposed to treat others that way. This anger, I like it a lot better. This forgiving stuff's a little tough. Because you don't know what they did to me. <laughs> Does Jesus know? Did he forgive them? He can't. Wrapping this thing up. Can't believe it. You guys are still hanging in here, doing a great job. The last part of Scripture says that we need to be imitators of Him. Verses 1 and 2. Imitators. That is, you're not as good as the original, but you'll do. You know, we used to collect this artwork. I got several pieces hanging in my house. But it's all prints. It's not the masterpiece. All right? Cheap knockoff, all right? But, hey, the original's worth a lot more than the imitation. The imitation's pretty good if you ain't got the original. Okay? But it says, Jesus did this. He took a quiet beating on the cross before he even got to the cross that day. But you see how that's all related back to our salvation. 
give you this one more example. All right, I've got two more examples. And I'll close. Hey, he does his very best to give the very best for us. Why is that? It's because he loves you so much. He doesn't want to leave you alone. Sometimes that anger you hang on to is just destroying you on the inside. You need to let go of it. Amen? That anger does a lot more damage to your family, to your church, and to your witness than what you can ever imagine. Because the world's always looking for somebody in the church that falls. Say, hey, look, they're no better than we are. We're not. He just gave me the Holy Spirit to help me forgive, help me to live this Christian life, this new thing that I'm called to live. It's called a Christian life. It's called a relationship. Are there rocky times in a relationship? Yes, there is. I wish there wasn't, but there is. Because it's my will going against somebody else's will. And sometimes they collide in a bad thing. But we always need to be quick to forgive. There's this little girl. Talked to her dad. He was a chef. She's going through a hard time. He said, hey, little girl, sit right there. Let me teach you about this going through a hard time. Going through turmoil in your life. He put three pots up on the stove. Put the same amount of water in each one of them. Each one of the pots he let to boil. Then he put potatoes in one. He put eggs in the middle one. And he put ground up coffee in the third one. And he let it boil there for 20 minutes. He said each one of us go through turmoil in life. Things in life. And that's what that boiling water represents. Hard times in our life. We get mad. We get upset. We have different things happen to us. It's the way you respond to it. Look at these potatoes. He poured them out. She looked at the potatoes. They were soft. What were they before we put them in the kettle? Hard, she said. So he pulled out the eggs. He said, hey, look at the eggs. How were they before we put them in the hot water? They were very fragile. They were very delicate. He had to break it open. It's a hard-boiled egg. They could eat it. They could see the middle. And he said, hey, let me pour you a cup of coffee. The, free, uh, the sweet fragrance of the change that that coffee made to that water is what the dad said needs to happen to us. By going through a hard time, a hard experience, we need to change. We need to change that experience into a good thing. The good thing is the coffee, the sweet aroma that comes from that coffee by going through a hard time. Church family, families, when you go through a hard time, it needs to change us. Not for the worse, but for the better. There's a good change to happen. Jesus came to forgive us for a good change. What's the change he came to forgive us from? Our sins, death, separation. He came to hold us close, hold us tight, give us a new place to go, heaven. It's going to be a sweet day because there ain't going to be no anger there. We're all going to get along. We're all going to be there to worship him the way it should be down here on earth. But guys, do your best because the world 
would rather see a sermon than hear one any day. So don't hold me and say, hey, this anger thing's got me all bent out of shape. It shouldn't. You've got the Holy Spirit to help lead and guide you to get you through this time. Today, if you need to invite him in, if you have a problem, don't worry about so-and-so. Draw a circle around you and put yourself in that circle and say, God, what's this message saying to me about my anger? What's this thing saying to me about my forgiveness? The only person you're responsible for is you. It's the hardest lesson. That's so true. Stand with me. Heavenly Father, you led to a great passage of Scripture, one that's hard for me sometimes to even understand. And I do not do my best to walk by some of the principles I talked about here, but help me to obey your principles and help me to be ever to quick to forgive. And Heavenly Father, help me to protect my family, help me protect this church family. And Heavenly Father, help us always to have your best interest of forgiving so the world can see this sermon that I need to walk. That's one of the things I need to put on is my walk every day. It just doesn't need to be on Sunday, but it needs to be seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Heavenly Father, help us in this time of invitation to examine our hearts. Man, if there's somebody in here that, uh, man, I know that i got a problem with, help me to be quick to forgive. Heavenly Father, if there's somebody in here that doesn't know you, doesn't know the power of forgiveness, I just pray that you'd help them to come down here today, that they can experience your forgiveness. And dear my Father, help us to realize how much you dislike sin. That's the reason you had to pay such a high price of sending your only begotten Son to die on that cross for each one of us. And that's how important, how much you love us. And you love us too much to leave us alone. You want us to understand we all need to forgive and forget. Take this time of invitation now as we sing. Do with it what you will. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.